I'm great, actually. I feel refreshed. Um, I'm getting over a little bit of a sickness just in time to take what feels like it's going to be my first real vacation in, in like three or four years. Uh, the wife and I headed off to an all-inclusive resort in Mexico without the kids where we're just going to sit on the beach and drink for like four or five days. Uh, we're, we're positing the kids for four or five days. Uh, our wonderful nanny who took care of my son when he was little and is uh, taking care of my daughter right now will be taking care of the both of them along with her husband and daughter for the weekend. Uh, she's going to have a lot to do. Uh, is there any part of you that envisions a, a Fleischman situation where you just leave him with the nanny and, <laughs> and never return? It just don't return for a while. <laughs> like, do you mean is there is there like a sick part of me that fantasizes about that? Yes, yes, that's exactly what I mean. Of yes. course there is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any parent who says otherwise is a liar. Like, or, or I don't know, maybe some people have kids that are, like, incredible angels. But, like, I, I got I got a, you know, one-and-a-half and, and three-and-a-half-year-old, and they're both capable of being the biggest shithead you've ever met. So, <laughs> yeah, of course. But, you know, like, it's never a serious thing you entertain. Right, it's of just course. like never... a... In your weakest moments, like, you know, the last few days I've been sick and I don't know what kind of person you are when you're sick, but when I am sick, I become a pathetic baby. And on top of that, whether I'm sick or healthy, mornings are just not for me. And the fact that I've been awake before 7 a.m. basically every day for the last three years is just like a generally intolerable thing about my life. I cannot go to bed early, no matter what I do. Um, and even when I do, I'm just, I never feel rested at 6.45 a.m. when my son says, Daddy, I want toast with regularly butter. Mm -hmm. um, and so the last few mornings when he wakes me up on some, like, make me toast, bitch, uh, <laughs> I want to slap him. <laughs> I, I, it takes everything inside me not to lose my shit. Um, how old? You, how old will he be before you think you can teach him to make toast? Uh, we're a ways out, man. We're a ways <laughs> out. Because you know what the thing is about that? Like, he, I could teach him to make toast right now, and like he could get a stool and carry it over to the toaster, open it up, put the bread in the toaster, turn on the toaster, wait for the ding, take out the toast, bring the stool over to the other counter, get the butter. Like he he is physically and mentally capable of doing all of those things he just won't well it's just the the potential for him getting impatient and just like grabbing the hot you know opening yeah. the toaster mid toast and yeah. grabbing the metal part is way too high so like yeah. i can i can teach him but i cannot trust him that's the issue uh yeah okay that makes sense that's fair 
and and like I don't know. I just <laughs> I think that trust is is several years away. All right. So when uh, when do you depart for for this trip? Uh, early early Thursday morning. Early early Thursday morning. How worried are you about missing the World Cup while this is going on? Well, we're going to Mexico, so I imagine it'll be on TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll have it there. I would yeah. assume. And and it'll World still Cup be. Well, but it'll still be early in the morning, so like, I'll probably roll over and throw it on in bed. Plus, I'll have my iPad with like my YouTube TV that I can, you know, probably VPN into. So I, I, I don't plan to miss much, and oh. and I and I also don't necessarily. I shouldn't say plan, but I don't necessarily expect to um, have any local games uh, remaining at that point. If you catch my drift. <laughs> you shouldn't expect because they definitely uh, aren't going to be any. Um, I mean, if, I'm assuming you mean if you're talking about Mexico as the local games. Oh no, I was talking about our local at the moment. Um, but oh, either, right. uh, but yeah, Mexico's already out of here. Uh, I, I'm I'm not hugely confident that the U.S. won't be uh, you know relatively quickly behind them. It, it's a although if the entire Netherlands team has the flu, that that helps. <laughs> we can't hurt. That's, I don't. You know, I don't want to break down that game too much because most people won't hear this before that game. Would be my guess. Like we're already, right. you know, sixteen hours out from that game as we tape this. As fun as they say, yes. Yeah, but um, let me just ask you generally: How do you feel like Team USA represented themselves in the group stage? Very well. I mean, yeah. look, they went through three games and never trailed. And didn't give up a goal in open play, um, so I, <laughs> that's that. I, that just those two things alone exceeded any expectation I would have. I would you know agree. What I, mean? I, I would also say that just from a pace, style, and competence of play level, other than that second half against um, in the first game, why am I having a senior moment Wales. yes Wales game. other than the second half against gareth bale and company they looked really good they looked like a team that is young and not quite there yet but has the stuff to be like a legitimate you know contender moving forward no yeah no i agree and it, th- i think one of the cool things um has been seeing the rest of the world get it like they see what's yeah. going on here uh, I think a lot of them are scared by her midfield. I mean, I've heard, you know, I heard the Stadio guys talking about good countries, yeah. like saying if they only had the U.S.'s midfield, right? You know, what I mean, like about contending teams. So, well, and by the way, for and for for all of us who suffered through the Michael Bradley years, like, <laughs> how can you not appreciate Tyler Adams and company? Hard. I still think you're too hard on Michael Bradley. I'm not. <laughs> Too hard on Michael Bradley. He was the you, the, the greatest giveaway in. artist in in football history. You um, came in at the uh, at the tail end of Michael Bradley when no. he was starting to lose it. I feel I like did you not. didn't. I, I watched early Michael, Michael Bradley. Bradley as well. I I am not a Johnny Come Lately. Soccer was my most successful sport <laughs> as an athlete, and I was at World Cup games in 1994. I did not come Me to too. it late. Damn it! All right. Um, anyway, Michael Bradley was good. I'll I stand by it. 
Well, uh, I'll, I'll say this. If if you are referring to some club play, I never did see him play outside of Team USA, but I also never saw him play well for Team USA. So uh, l- let's stop arguing about a guy we never have to watch again and talk about these guys we did watch because um, Musa and Adams and McKenney, these are exciting young players who – fundamentally along with Christian Pulisic they they totally change what American soccer has looked like for our entire lives 100% and if you think about it like they 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 flipped this team that we saw in qualifying uh and in the run up to this tournament on its head like this yep. is a team couldn't score in the first half to save its life <laughs> yeah jumping out on teams uh it was a team where right everybody was worried about why are we trying to play out from the back we're not barcelona it's international football right they've been great playing out from the back uh, like other teams have not really been able to do much with them pressure wise so uh i'm very happy uh, and look i think netherlands are the favorite uh, tomorrow and deserve to be so um but I think the U.S. is a real chance in that game. Like, well, and again, if Frankie De Jong has the flu, it can only help. <laughs> and and a lot more than that, right? Like, you know, some of this is like Netherlands journalist sleuthing. Yeah. Right. But the the standard procedure for the Netherlands is like they play a scrimmage, you know, in that last training session before yeah. the game, and, and like you. Right, like they, you know, they have a scout team. They want a, They want a team that plays like the team that they're going to play. And they didn't have enough guys to do that, which means you're talking about at a minimum five guys, right? Because there's 26 yeah. guys on the roster. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and if they'd had 21, they they felt like they had a coach or two who could step in and play. Sure. Um, so that means you're talking about five, six guys at a minimum who who couldn't go. So, uh, you know, I don't know that that's going to be the decider in the game, and I think the U.S. could win the game if the Netherlands is totally healthy. Um, yeah, yeah. the way that they're playing right now. That said, the Netherlands are really good. So, they're really good. They're much better the world teams. Guys. And, <laughs> and, you know, look, well, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say, because Cody, you know, we, we caught Harry Kane at the right time, I would say, you know, took a, took a dock in the, in the game prior. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really pleased with the way that they erased him out of that game. And I think Cody Gakpo, the with the form that he's in and the size and speed that he has, yeah, he's scary. Will, be, will be a similarly interesting challenge uh, for that U.S. backline, so yeah, uh, from a form perspective, he is he is on it, and he's a scary dude, man. He's just he's big and strong and dangerous. Yeah, um, I I, I want to shout out Greg Berhalter for a second. Um, what what's going Greg, on with Gio Reyna? Before you compliment the guy, what's yeah, going on with Gio Reyna? I don't know. And look, and I think that, I think it's fair to ask about the substitutions. Yeah, because uh, it seems like Reyna in particular, you could really use him right now, right? Yeah, and I have a feeling you're going to see him in the Netherlands game because I think a lot of the reason why you didn't see him in that third game was was the game script, right? Like, mm-hmm. you you don't you, you know they wanted to pack in and defend the end of that game, and that's not a time when you want you necessarily need Gio Reyna, right? Sure. So, um, this game I don't think is going to have that sort of setup. I think you're going to be looking for a goal in the second half. Um, and so I think you're much more likely to see him. It is, it is weird though. It's weird. You know, the fact that he's only played seven minutes yeah. as at worst, one of the five most talented players on the team. And I would say he's probably second. Um, it's weird. It is weird. The, the substitutions have been weird, but I think, well, and it's not just, it's not just weird that he hasn't played much. It's weird the way like 
everything where you can read about it is weird. Yep. He says he's fine. The coach says he's tight. Like, what does tight even mean? I, the whole thing is bizarre. And, you know, I guess, look, fallouts between coach and player happen. But to your point, like, on the coach's end of things, short of Gio Reyna being like a Antonio Brown nutcase, I can't... Which is, by all accounts, he's not. Exactly. So, so like, ha- like, this is on the coach. You can't... Like a fallout with one of your five most talented players is unacceptable, man. Right. And look, I, you know, I, I, right. There are some questions I have, and 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 look, I'm going a lot on what on on what people are reporting. So, uh, oh, this is secondhand. But suppose that they haven't been super communicative to him about why he's not playing, which I don't love. Yeah. And he's yeah. he's clearly depressed. Like he is a guy. Yes. He's a guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve. We've seen him like get hurt you know, for Dortmund and, and just be in tears on the field. And you, you can see it the way he's kind of moping around right now. It's yeah. that part's not great because I do think that harmony and unity and chemistry is a big part of why this team is playing well. Agreed. They do and, like and I would say and they really give a shit and you, and you can really see it. Right. And this is how you turn what was, what is, you know, likely a relatively meaningless miscommunication or disagreement into like a significant problem for a, a team that should have great feelings around it right now. Yep. But likewise, but, uh, but by the same token, you know, I think if he plays 35, 40 minutes in this, in this Netherlands game, it could all go away. Right. I think it, it could all be, it could all be gone That's tomorrow. True. So I, I, I would not argue with that. So, you know, what I, uh, what I was going to say about Greg is that I do think he's made some really tough calls uh, and then I think most of his tactical decisions have really paid off. Yep. You know, I think I think the Cameron Carter Vickers thing was really smart. I agree. I love him as, as a defender. Yeah. You know, to start a central back pairing in this World Cup Bet that had played never. half of soccer yeah. together, <laughs> like it's it's kind of insane. Yeah, it totally worked. So, well, and and I thought like Zimmerman has been pretty good, right? But. Carter he he Vickers, made one big terrible mistake. <laughs> he did. He also made a nice play at the end of the last match. Uh, but Carter Vickers was noticeably more aggressive from the center back position from the start of that game, and I thought it it had a big effect. Well, and the reasoning behind that, right? Like Greg, Greg was like, "Ran is going to play a low block against us," right? And and Vickers plays for uh, Celtic, which is the best team in that Scottish league. Which means that they that's mostly what they see, right? Is right. teams right. trying to pack it in against them. It's a familiar and, look, yeah. Right. He was well set up to handle that. And I thought he was really tremendous in that game. Agreed. Uh, uh, which was not something I expected to be saying. So uh you're really happy with the way that the US has played so far. Um and uh, you know, I'm just hoping for hoping for a great performance tomorrow. Again, I think it's a game they can win. And then, you know, then you're in the World Cup quarterfinals and and who the hell knows? Well, it's all gravy uh, at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much really, all gravy now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I think we have hit the point we've expected to, our, you know, we expect this team to hit. Yep. Now it's time to take a step forward. And I like that, I, you know, the team's already talking about we think we can make the final. And I and I love that. Amen. You know? Talk your stuff, um, even if I don't yeah. necessarily agree with you. <laughs> so, and it's look, and I think it's great that the, the rest of the world has seen, I think, what America has already realized, which is that. We're going to be a problem when we host this thing in three and a half years. So, Can't wait. Um, yeah, that that uh, that's going to be exciting. Um, and I'm already sad. I'm sad because today is the last day of four games a day. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, it's been fun, man. 
it's been really fun. Although I do find the I understand what's happening. I I know why they do it, but I do find the games at the same time pretty annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, obviously you'd like to watch them all, but like. Yeah. It's a disaster if they don't do it that way. No, of course, I mean, it's practically a disaster. Even when they do do it that way, you're questioning the intentions of some of these teams. But um, obviously, I understand why they do it. It's just annoying. Um, speaking <laughs> of things that uh, I'm aware of but still make it difficult to watch the World Cup, let's talk about FIFA Uncovered. I was going to say, I think that's probably, probably rolls right naturally into you. I, you know, look. Talk, watching the World Cup, right? At, you know, I mean, I don't know about you. I watched this before the World Cup started. Like I watched this. I watched this yesterday. And okay. First of all, I just have to say, I don't know how many things I could watch four hours of documentary in a day, um, but I had no problem cruising through this. It is yep. extremely well done. It's a gripping story. It's fascinating. You cannot believe some of the stuff that they tell you and expose. Um and they get right into it, man. It's, right, yep. it's like five minutes in, you're like corruption, basically. Yeah, and I and and like I watched it before, in between, and after watching World Cup games, and it made for a very strange day. I, you know, plus taking cold medicine, it was it was a really weird day yesterday. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, I think if you're just watching the World Cup and just watching it, particularly if you're new to it you see a lot of things that are kind of like inexplicable or like, why is it like this? Yeah. Why are they having this tournament in this place? Yeah. You know what I mean? That has, yep. has no stadiums and before you get it, you know, never mind the just deplorable behavior of FIFA and the guitar, uh, guitar right. government at the start of this tournament, all of that stuff, even if you're ignorant of that, like yeah. there's all the stuff that doesn't make sense. And then you watch this documentary and it all comes very sharply into focus, right? Mm -hmm. About why FIFA is the the way that they are, uh, and it's like if, if I had one criticism of this documentary, it's that I I think they kind of give Infantino, who's the current FIFA president, a little bit of a pass. Well, they you know I mean? it's and he's very much a part of this, which you can see from that bizarre speech that he gave at the uh, yeah at the, the beginning. beginning of the cup. Um, it did seem that in a way they were giving him the benefit of the doubt of like, we can't say for certain if he's just another one of these creeps or if he's just trying to get through the creepiness that was set up for him by the previous regime so that he can be a little less creepy. But I, I, I didn't think they gave him a whole pass. I did get the feeling that if they made too many concrete conclusions about him, he would not have appeared in the documentary. <laughs> That's probably true. I can't believe Seth Blatter sat down for the documentary. Well, that's so. This is super what interesting, that one right? Guitar minister, but I guess that's his job, right? Like his job is to go in there and and, and speak like that. Mm, I guess, but he, but not necessarily in a documentary that's excoriating his <laughs> yeah. behavior. Like he could have passed, and I, I, at the beginning. I had the same questions, but I believe the documentary sufficiently answers those questions. And the answer is no more complicated than these men do not believe they've done anything wrong. They still don't believe they've done anything wrong. They can't see it. And it's some of the most incredible cognitive dissonance that I've ever witnessed in my entire life. But certainly in the case of Sepp Blatter, you may be right that 
the the sheikh who's sort of in charge of uh, the Qatari bid and is trying to defend that they didn't do anything wrong. Like he's he is a PR employee, so that may be, you know, for lack of a better term, state mandated PR. But Seth Blatter just definitely doesn't think he did anything wrong. Yeah, well, I you know, I think that, and I'm sure there's some word for this. You know what I mean? Some term for this, but it's you know it's it's sort of like the frog in the boiling water. You know what I mean? Where you know just gets hotter and hotter, and you never realize it's boiling. Yeah, like there, you have this thing, right? Like there's this organization that created this world competition that is an an incredible event, an incredible event that is meaningful around the world, and of course is going to generate uh, a lot of money. Right. Like, like it's, you know, just the way that's the way the world is. And, it, it, you know, it turns out that they were the ones that sort of invented the forum for how to generate a lot of money. Yes. But whatever. They have this thing. It's clearly worth a lot of money in today's terms. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's nothing really wrong with saying, OK, let's take this money and distribute it back among the various federations of this. No, that's certainly the right thing to do. But right. That's, it never happened. Right enough thing and then you can sort of see how people go along okay we're giving this out here and we're giving this out there and then it just starts to be like and i'm gonna take my 10 percent cut of that you know and then those cuts get bigger and bigger and then the ass get bigger and bigger and now the water's boiling in the in a stew of just corruption but so you know i'm not trying to defend any of the corruption but i do sort of get i think how Someone like Sepp Blatter, who's so far inside, and this is the only thing that he's known, just thinks that we're just doing things the way that they're done. Because otherwise, all these people would be embarrassed about these parties that they're throwing and these Rolexes that they're handing out for for officials for soccer federations. Like These are not people who should be rich. No. You know what I mean? Well, This should not be a rich man. Well, it reminds me of the the college bowl system. The difference yeah. is far more often in this case, and this is where it really loses me, you have these dudes soliciting money for their soccer federation and then disappearing it into foreign bank accounts. Like that's where yeah. it goes from really boy, I wish the world didn't work this way to wow, that's a crook. <laughs> right? Like you're right. These Asinine, like, you understand how they don't see how awful and garish these parties are because we know that rich people all over the world are doing stuff like this in ways and places that make it truly despicable, right? Like, that is the world of rich people and power brokers. And, again, this film did a great job of explaining why specifically – the people in control of FIFA are power brokers in in like the world. They are. But the leap from I took my 100K cut off the top of the money that's supposed to go to building the game in like third world countries. I don't think that's what you're supposed to say anymore. Developing countries like where you go from skimming your five or 10 percent off the top to to enrich yourself to just taking it. That's a big jump. Yeah. Yeah. It sure is. It's, it's, 
<laughs> it's a big jump. And then uh, over time, that jump gets made. And yeah. It's and not only gets made, but becomes the standard. That, that's just what's incredible. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're just vampires. They're just taking something good and su- literally sucking the life out of it. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And Uh-oh. honestly, like, I don't know what the right – this film leaves you incredibly depressed from, like, a what-am-I-really-watching-here standpoint. And not – like, sadly, like, there's no good answers. And I, I'm not blaming the film. I'm just saying, like, the state of this situation is such that if I want to exp- – like, what is the right action for the World Cup consumer? It's a, It's a – it's a cherished event that happens every four years. Like you gotta watch. I, I am I am I scandalized and disgusted that thousands of migrant workers died? Yes, but like, a if I don't turn on my TV, does that help? And b like, how, I don't know. I I just don't know how you're supposed to reconcile it or what you're supposed yes. to do. It's brutal. I've thought about it, and I know some people who are not watching this World Cup. Oh, and there are plenty of them around the world. Sure, and I'm you know. I think if that's the, if that's what you choose to do, like I don't have a problem with that. No, I have a lot of respect for it. In fact, yeah, it's, I think it's certainly a reasonable conclusion to make. Uh, um, but I also don't know that it it's gonna. I don't know that that in and of itself is going to affect change. I almost wonder, and I thought we were getting there maybe with this armband controversy. Um, you know, because one of the things that's sort of revealed by this World Cup is that. These FIFA guys, power brokers as they may be, are ultimately not in charge relative to um, the world governments that they're, you know, kind of doing these deals with. As you right. like, right? Well, it's kind of like once you get on their soil, you don't have any control anymore, right? Right. The 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 control, the power that FIFA has is is the ability to offer you the games. Once they give you the games, you're like. Right, they have and no more power. Build over you. stadiums and do whatever. Right? right, then then you're then you're screwed. Right, um, especially when they've made it very clear that any threat to ungive you the games is empty. Yeah, but to me, when you know when you see this armband, and, 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 and for those of you who don't know, the Europeans, uh, our eight European nations, were going to wear an armband with a rainbow flag. Um, yep. You know, their captains are going to wear an armband as a as a protest uh, against. Um, uh, Qatar stand on gay rights, and at the last minute, FIFA came in and said, "Actually, we're doing this armband initiative, and everyone has to wear these armbands. And if you don't, we're going to penalize you on the field for it." And and the European countries back down. That to me is where, if you want to affect change, it has to be the federations and the the powerful ones, the ones the ones that people want to watch. Yep. Ultimately, saying, eh, "No, we're not going to have this. We're going to break away and do something different." Yeah, uh, and, and you got to believe that if, like, CONCACAF and UEFA both said no, that, that yeah. puts FIFA in a tough spot. Like, that, yeah. that it's going to be tough to enforce their mandate. Or Comnable, by the way, because CONCACAF obviously yeah. is, is probably one of the most corrupt regions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sadly. No, true. So, um, and I'd love to say that that, you know, like, not us, but it definitely is us, right? Yeah. Like, we were right in there. You know, maybe yeah. it's not us anymore. Uh, I'd like to think that. Um, Although it's pretty incredible that they they brought in an even dirtier guy to clean up after the first dirty guy. I mean that, <laughs> like right away, right away, unbelievable. Yeah. Oh man, 
Um, it's like to me, that's the FIFA's thing, and that's what like I mean. I kind of think that's what Johnny Infantino is, right? I think he's the next. He's he's Jeffrey Webb, basically, right? Talk to a good game, and then the second he sits down at the table, is like, all right, I want an even bigger bribe than the last guy. Yeah, could uh, be, could be. I mean, I think we'll really find that out at the next round of of location selection and whatnot because they this this U.S. Mexico Canada thing was clearly damage control, right? Um. Yes. Well, I don't know about damage control. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think after the U.S. got passed over twice, they were gonna figure out a way. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the U.S. got passed over twice, but also just like everybody in the room agreed that the two worst bids got the last two worst World Cups, which is pretty incredible. So, like, just a credible group of countries. <laughs> that w- without like obvious glaring human rights issues like they had to but if you know if we end up back in russia or whatever i, I i'm trying to think of other <laughs> countries that would clearly compromise saudi arabia yeah like, it's gonna happen again I, I feel like europe will get the one after this because they just sort of are due um but um but I don't, who knows? Yeah. And, you know, and, and I don't know that this one is exempt from anything either, right? Like, I was just talking to somebody who lives in L.A., and I was like, I think you'll get the finals, but it's at the same at the same time, it's conceivable that Jerry Jones could bribe his way to that final being in Dallas. Oh, 100%. And it would shock me if that's the case. 100%. <laughs> so, so um, you know, it's it, it, it's the, the, the underbelly – um, of this whole tournament is is right there to the point where it's really it's really just it's sort of an overbelly hard to ignore. Yeah, it's an overbelly <laughs> at this point. It's, it's hanging over the gut, and it's I a, it's a real Chuck I, Blazer belly, if you will. Yeah, like we've had a little bit of discussion about FIFA and how problematic it is, but this documentary as an entertainment product, uh, I just think is so good. It's excellent. at uh, exposing the corruption from start to finish, and has so many interviews with people who were directly involved and connected like it's just it's it's all undeniable yeah yeah Uh, and and it's and like i said it is it's a gripping watch both of us i believe watched this four-hour documentary in one sitting so um yeah well one day anyway i it was multiple sittings because i watched a world cup soccer game in the middle (laughs) right fair enough (laughs) very weird man very weird day (laughs) Very weird. All right, should we uh, should we turn our attention to Stutz, which is the other documentary on the? Uh, yeah, go uh, ahead, let loose. I want to hear what you got to say. Um, on the old Tony Kornheiser radio show, um, they they used to play this drop all the time, which was uh, Brian Arakpo. Do you remember Brian Arakpo, the course, defensive yeah. lineman from the Redskins? Yeah, uh, it was from some NFL films drop. Um, where like things were going bad for the Redskins, and he's like, "Come on, man, what are we even doing out here, man?" And <laughs> that is exactly the way that I felt watching this movie. Like, what are we even doing out here? Why? Why is this a movie? Why am I watching it? What are they trying to say other than therapy only works if you try? And are honest with therapists, which is to me not really much of a revelation. I don't know what this is other than self-indulgent masturbatory garbage, and I hated every second of it. 
Um, I texted you in the middle if you to ask if you had seen it in the desperate hopes that you were going to say yes and it was terrible and then I'd have to watch the rest of it. But I did. I watched the rest of it. I just I I don't I I enjoy Jonah Hill. I enjoy Jonah Hill's work. I appreciate Jonah Hill's desire for self-reflection. I don't understand why he thought anyone else needed to see this. Like the notion that this was helpful to someone else uh, is bizarre to me because it's just fucking navel gazing. Uh, Okay. So, well, I mean, I think you just sort of hinted at it. He tells you exactly why he thought other people might want to see it. Um, And I think might want to see it is probably better than need to see it um and i can say i i wanted to see it uh the reasons being a i think there i mean have you have you done any or much therapy i have done some therapy yes i think phil stutz as we get to see him here is notably different from any therapist i've ever encountered in a couple of interesting ways um one is he seems much more interested in what I would call just like a normal real conversation than most therapists and they get into this in the in the film um virtually any therapist I've ever interacted with and this is not necessarily a criticism but it is a difference um it's it it's listening they're primarily what they do is listening and there's a, not a lot of offering opinions and now listen good therapists do offer solutions and and you know tools as phil stutz would call them um but i do think his interest and desire to just like talk to you like a normal person instead of like a therapist is interesting and something that i've always kind of looked for in a therapist and never found um i don't dispute that that's interesting but does it make a movie out of it interesting I don't know. That's, I that's I, I, <laughs> I will say this. Like, I I kind of wish, and you probably would not have liked it any better, but I do kind of wish they had almost gotten a little more technical on some of the tools because that probably is what interested me more than anything. Is like, what are these specific tools? Right. Because I don't they, think the movie's all that interested in it. It's like, all right, we're going to do the String of Pearls thing for a second, and then they kind of just move away from that back into, like, their relationship thing. Right. And I, I would say where this movie slips up is it it does too much that is too specific to jonah hill um and i look i mean it must be hard not to fall into that trap when you're videotaping therapy sessions but uh i thought his his early instincts to say we're not going to talk about me so much were better um than later when it became more just about what he had gotten out of it because i agree like that is a little masturbatory and not as helpful, but just from a how this guy approaches his job as a therapist and a, and from the perspective of like some of the tools and being interested, like I intend to do some more research into some of those tools because they do seem like things that I specifically would find helpful. Mm. Um, I, just, I mean, I can pretty much sum it up. Just keep going. Yeah, well, but, <laughs> but even just... just so this is a good example. And maybe this isn't revelatory and I'm 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 not necessarily saying that it is, but just the the notion that you know one of the core tenets of his approach, Phil Stutz, is that 
nobody gets to live life without what were the three it's like pain um i'm gonna forget it now uh i don't remember the three things pain uncertainty and constant work that did kind of hit my brain in a very specific way that meant something to me uh i like i i think that's I think if somebody had really convinced me of that 15 years ago, like I would have done some things differently. You know what I mean? So Mm. I don't know. On that level, this was interesting to me. I fully understand your criticism, and I think it's pretty valid. Um, But I think there's a level, and and I wish some things had been different um, to, to sort of help me get more out of it. But I do think I understand what he was trying to do, and... I got maybe 75% of what he would have hoped I got out of it. And that's something interesting. I, I just, it's really frustrating to watch a movie where you think, I don't know if these guys know what they're doing or what they're trying to do. And then the whole movie, they're saying, I don't think we know what we're doing here or what we're trying to do. Well, yeah. And I, right. They answer that question. Like Jonah Hill definitely lost his way with what he was doing in the middle of the film. Um, and, you know, mileage may vary on how interesting that aspect of it is. I don't think it was that interesting. Uh, but but I do think there's – there I, even in the sort of overindulgence in personal matters, I, I, I thought there was some interesting stuff in terms of the dynamic between therapist and patient and just the, the – they put a lot of work into showing – that just because someone is a good therapist doesn't mean they have it all figured out. Like a lot of, I think the takeaway for a lot of people from this documentary, should they watch it would be like permission to not have it all figured out, which I think Hmm. is a helpful thing. Yeah. I just, you know, I I think one of the things that like, I don't know, I, I feel like a lot of the, these observations are relatively self-evident observations. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, I I don't necessarily disagree. I didn't find any of those to be, I didn't find any of that to be relevatory. Um, You know, some of it's true. uh, You know what I mean? Um, But, uh, and I think for me, some of it was just hearing certain things said in a specific way. And, and for whatever reason, some of that resonated with me uh, in ways that clearly didn't with you. I, I, but I, but again, it's hard to argue any of the sort of, points about the nature of what they've done here that you're making because it it is a pretty self-indulgent thing (laughs) and it it doesn't totally come together as like a film yeah uh look if look if you get something out of it great i would strongly recommend you don't watch this (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) well i'll say this sorry good based on both of our reactions i think like if you're sitting listening to the two of us go back and forth wondering which one of us you would be you only need like 5 or 10 minutes of of the doc to figure out which one you are you that is I, mean? no I don't quick. think you're going to turn this on and be like this is some self-indulgent bs and then get turned around half an hour in like yeah, you're going to know you'll know that that's that's a great point uh and sp- that's actually a nice little segue into chippendales mm. um for me because this is a show where I did not know yeah. Um, if I had watched this, it, you know, if, if, if I had stopped after one, which I think was originally what I, where I was going, yeah, 
I don't think I would have given given Chippendales a very good review because I didn't. I was surprised at how not fun it was. And and <laughs> you well, know, for uh, but I think if you had if you had like thought about the previews, you would have realized that like half of the characters you were excited about hadn't shown up yet. Yeah. So yeah. I because I'm with you. The it and it wasn't like it was like piloty. It was just not awesome. <laughs> right. <It's, laughs> Not awesome. Just not a very good first episode. But no, uh, I did stick around for episodes two and three, and now I'm I'm in. I'm in. Well, to me, episode three was the clincher. Like episode two was better than one for sure, but episode three was a thrill ride, man. And Juliet Lewis is Juliet Lewising so fucking hard, and I just love it. (laughs) Um, And and by the way, Murray Bartlett, uh, who we last saw as the hotel manager. I didn't even realize it. Uh, he's unrecognizable. Oh Here's another one. Do you realize who played the psychopath in the first episode? Uh, no. That's Dan Stevens of Legion fame. Oh, no way. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that until I looked up to make sure I was right about Murray Bartlett. And I was like, holy shit, that was Dan Stevens? Uh, he was good. It just wasn't a great episode because, again, it was – just depressing and dark and not that entertaining. But boy, once you get Murray Bartlett and Juliet Lewis in the club, just sign me up, man. I want to shout out to Annie, Annalie Ashford, who oh, I think she's great too. a lot of things, um, in, in uh, including the, uh, what was the, the sex show there? She was, um, the with sex uh, show. Lily Kaplan. And, oh, uh, uh, Lizzie Kaplan. It's Masters Lizzie of Sex. Kaplan. Yeah, thank um, master sex. There you go. No, but uh, I, I, I was thinking you were when you said the sex show. It's so funny. I thought you were talking about impeachment, um, <laughs> <clears throat> where she was Paula Jones, I believe, right? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. No, she's 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 buzzy right now. Sex shows <laughs> over the years. Yeah. Um, but she, I think she's been tremendous yep. in this, and um, you know, like the when um. Uh, Kamal comes back from uh, India, uh-huh. and she's like kind of trying to get him to like be a, a person. And she, the the acting in that scene is tremendous, both in the dialogue and the way that she plays some things unsaid on her face. Yep, um, like like really good stuff. And, and I thought she was just as good in the like relatively silly cocaine scene in the bar. Yeah, yeah, like, for she, sure. She's doing a hell of a job. I, I totally agree. And and look, man, I mean. Like, I, I, she's not breaking new ground, but they hired Juliette Lewis to do a thing, and she is doing the fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, she is. <laughs> like, even more so than she was in Yellow Jackets. It's really turned up to 11, and I just, like, it gives me flashbacks to, like, natural-born killers, and uh, I, I, it makes me happy, man. Yeah, no, it's 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 nice, and uh, I, you know, I think as there's more conflict and success for this, uh, yeah, I'm yep. excited for where this is gonna go. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm glad to say it because, like I said, I was pretty down after the first one. So. Yeah, agreed. So agreed. good job, good job, Chippendales. Thumbs up, Chippendales. Welcome, welcome to Chippendales. I heard I a very interesting the interview, by show. the way, with the uh, you know writer creator, um, who was also i mean he was it was the mark Marion interview he was also the uh robert siegel is his name also did pam and tommy and um his his sort of first big break 
was Big Fan, the Patton Oswalt movie. He's a really oh, interesting. Oh yeah, I really, I really like Big Fan. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy with an interesting perspective. Who, interestingly enough, cut his teeth at the Onion. Oh okay. Yeah. Would recommend uh, it, that WTF episode, Robert. Siegel. Yeah, and if you haven't seen Big Fan, um, uh, it's great. A really good movie and very I'll, unique. I'll, like Oswalt there, performance. There are not a lot of movies like that one. No, no, hundred percent. Um, Wednesday. I want you to go because you expressed an apprehension about Tim Burton content. And since then, and only since then, I was surprised. I've, I have read, uh, a significant amount about Tim Burton's, uh, shall we say poor record in race relations. (laughs) Interesting. That wasn't even where I was at with that. Um, no, I but... know. I, I, it's, it's, I, I had never heard the complaint about Tim Burton's casting before. Um, it makes sense now that I've heard it. Uh, and then he did say something that he shouldn't have said. Although I don't know that his, what he was trying to say was as nasty as the way it sounded. Um, but. I also think that as a result of his history, people have taken kind of a weird view of some of the casting on this show. Interesting. Um, I'm like, assuming you're talking about Luis Guzman as uh, no the patriarch of the Adams family. No, like I saw, I saw things criticizing, for instance, the white makeup that Jenna Ortega is wearing, um, as like lightening her skin, and I just don't think that's it she's wednesday adams she's supposed to be super pale like i think that is a character thing and not a racial thing i've seen people talking about oh now he finally casts black people but they're all evil and i think that's a misreading of the characters (laughs) frankly um so i don't i don't i don't know how to think about it i don't want to give tim burton a pass because he has said some things that are not good and he does not have a good record of casting actors of color but i also frankly loved this and yeah and didn't did not see those problems here for whatever it's worth so i my feeling about this um i just think a lot about netflix and i was uh i was not totally surprised to learn that this is doing gangbusters on netflix apparently um up there with stranger things in terms of total hours watched uh on the show like people are really good because my my feeling about this show is it just feels like a complete product of the fucking algorithm you know what i mean like Teenage, teenage girl angst franchise ip stick it together with some have her just be this kind of like weird vengeful badass version of Wednesday. It just all seems very Netflixy and I'm not really here for it. Huh? I, I don't know that I agree with that. Well, I guess I don't know that I would argue the point that, you know, snarky teenage badass meets, beloved franchise IP is very Netflix. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But they do like they, they do like the teen girl stuff, though. They do. I like. No, I no. I'm saying I I I wouldn't dispute that part of it. But I don't. Okay. But but I almost think that's kind of a coincidence. Is and maybe I'm being unfairly kind to the show. But I don't think it's a very like this is not a different conception of Wednesday than Christina Ricci's was necessarily. Right. I mean, Wednesday was always kind of this dark psychopath, but of course it was dark. Yeah. I mean, but also clever and, and biting and, and again, badass. like, it's not like Wednesday in the Adams family films, wasn't doing crazy cool stuff. Um, Do you like Jenna Ortega's Wednesday character? I do. Not her performance or character. I find it charming. It's, I'm so out. (laughs) maybe maybe that's what it is for me like i i do not like wednesday adams the character if that makes sense and so it's hard for me to watch a show built around her well yeah i mean i think if you take her at face value she's rather unlikable yeah she's an asshole um (laughs) but i mean i guess i guess maybe i like that's it's like a version of willing suspension of disbelief for me maybe that just like yeah she's an asshole but that's wednesday and like i i respect the commitment to the bit maybe i don't know i I yeah, just man. more than anything else. They are though, really committed to the bit. Okay. They are very committed. <laughs> more than anything else, I just find the whole thing charming and entertaining. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's peak TV or it's yeah. a must watch, but I find Jenna Ortega's performance, and frankly, Luis Guzman and Catherine Zeta-Jones are also delightful. I think those two are great. Yeah, I'm 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 here for that. Gwendolyn Christie's fine. I, you know, we're also treading into some areas that I'm just not. You know. It's not really your stuff. You got vampires and and werewolf clicks and you know. and that's fair and that's and whatever a siren is, uh, which apparently right. has scales. I I yeah. get it, but for me, this this stuff rolls off the screen, so to speak. Like it's just very, very, very watchable for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is different for me than some of the other things where it's like I kind of feel like where I'm at is probably in the minority, and I like I get it. So. <laughs> Not gonna yeah. dig in too hard. Yeah, I'm not gonna dig in too hard, but uh, I did not enjoy this very much. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, should we talk about the challenge? Because we get two episodes here, and um, and some stuff has happened. But it seems like it's really a precursor to some stuff that's gonna happen. Um, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Before we get into this. Um... I saw an article and whatever it was like on screen rant or something. It doesn't mean anything, but I saw an article with someone complaining about the format, essentially saying the format has ruined the challenge because people don't want to win dailies because they don't want the pressure of nominating four teams. And I know Johnny bananas has said on Twitter, like he was consistently not playing to win the daily. He was, you know, cause there's no loser really. Um, because uh, I, I thought it yeah, was insane. I, I disagree strongly. I yeah. mean, every like this week alone, how many people were like, "We have to win the daily." Well, <laughs> and not going, all, well, and, right. And Johnny Bananas tried pretty hard in in, in the in, certainly in this most recent episode. Tried pretty hard to fucking win that daily. Agreed. He just he 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 threw the one uh, beforehand. But but listen, I, I here's the thing to me. Like okay. Even if I grant you that this game design makes, you know, playing in the middle a viable strategy 
first of all, I would say that makes it different from almost no challenge seasons ever because playing the middle is always a viable strategy. But also, that has not affected the quality of the television program. Like, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about, like, game integrity? Because in that case, like, you probably should have turned off the challenge 15 years ago. The, the integrity is not the point of this game in terms of, like... You're expecting them to change the rules in the middle. Like, that's, <laughs> that's well, like generally an expectation. So Exactly. And, and, and we know they're about to, by the way. We'll get to that. But, like, the idea that, oh, because some people haven't tried to win every daily, this is not a good season, is, like, what are you watching? Because the drama and the, the like, just generally the way the season has played out, I think has been great television. Yeah. I, look, I think that this week, to me, showcases so much what is great about this show, right? Like, you have Nelson in this situation <laughs> where he, right, like, that goes back two or three years on the show, right? To something else that happened in terms of his relationship with uh, Fessel. Fessy, yeah. And then uh, on the other hand, this romance that he's built up during the show and having to choose between the two, like it's all these aspects of this thing that sort of only really exist, right? Like in this game where people's personal relationships matter so much, but also their athletic feats matter. Like it all, it all came into play. Can we also just, can we just talk about the fact that two weeks in a row, Nelson had himself in a perfect position and made the wrong decision. And and look, this – I mean, I think it was idiotic to, to uh, save Fessy over Olivia and Horacio for a variety of reasons that we can talk about. But, but at least he was kind of on his own for this decision. The previous week, he had a specific plan with a whole group of people, and he <laughs> switched it at the last minute – for no reason. <laughs> and he's like, ah, it's tough out here. No, it's not. <laughs> they told you what to do. You agreed to do it. And then last minute, you changed your mind. For what reason? No. Hey, look, I I have to say that I gained so much respect for Olivia oh, in man. this episode. Oh, man. So much. Like, the way, the way that she handled that. Yeah, she's my MVP again. <laughs> I just, like... I was in awe. I was just in awe. Not only that, but Horacio didn't seem like he had could make heads or tails of what was going on in that elimination, and they still won. <laughs> well, and that's another great thing, right? The house won that elimination for them. Yep. Um, and and that's that's one of those situations where, you know, if you were gonna be the guy that tries to flip the house on its head. You know what I mean? The, the house is gonna try to flip back. That's you right. just, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't be mad at that. That's just what's gonna happen. If you declare war against a bunch of powerful people, there's gonna be some fallout from that, right? That's right. So, and and the Michelle. First of all, thank God, thank thank God, Michelle is gone because I just can't listen to her anymore. <laughs> she, she is, she's the worst, and the the fact that she. She came into the deliberation room and tried to make an alliance with Jordan and Anissa at that moment after sending them in twice and knowing full well 
she was the vote. Like, at least Jay came in there and was like, oh, never ex- never saw this coming. <laughs> like, he knew, and he didn't make a fool of himself. I respected it, actually. I really did. Michelle or Jay? I, Michelle. I oh Look, I don't God. think she had any illusions that that was going to work, but why not? Why not give it a shot, you Come know? On. Get Same out of here. Michelle. Because she's whiny. She wasn't. It wasn't like when they threw her in, she wasn't like, you know, she knew. Look, it's it, it's very important to me that in my life I never ever see that woman again. <laughs> which brings me to my burn of the week. Which I don't think was, I don't think that's going to happen. By the way, I, think I know. <laughs> I think she's coming back. But it, it, my favorite line and also burn of the week was Jordan at the end of the episode saying, "If this game has taught us anything, it's that you're not very good at playing this game." <laughs> <laughs> that's good I, I can i my burn was uh, a devin self burn oh okay which was people regularly refer to me as fat tom hardy yeah that was a good one i also enjoyed <laughs> jordan it did not exactly a self burn but earlier in the episode when uh you know when they w- <laughs> when they won it it cut to his ITM and he was like listen you you messed with us he's talking about Jay and Michelle and he goes we're like cockroaches and now we're all up in your sandwich yep. <laughs> and I don't know what that means but I loved it um, also I'm sure you noticed that when Anissa and Jordan won Anissa picked Jordan up in the air I did notice that I did notice that yep. I thought that was an excellent moment um, <laughs> but just quickly because we talked about it but didn't break down the decision when Nelson's in the spot, and by the way, they set it up so well, as they always do. The producers of the challenge are undefeated. But you knew from the moment that the four teams got picked, and Nelson and Norris are both like, boy, I just, anything can happen as long as we're not the ones who pull the safe dagger and have to make this choice. It's like, oh, that's definitely, they're definitely <laughs> pulling the, the safe dagger. on their faces. And the camera didn't even need to, like, pan into them. No. They were just there in the background. Yep. Just. The looks on their faces crushed—that's like, unbelievable. No one has ever been so upset to be saved. It was unreal, and I, I thought, I, as much as I like, you understand that the choice that they're setting up, right? And theoretically, there are two—it's a tough decision. But for me, it was very easy. You have Fessy who is a well-established liar whose team hasn't won a goddamn thing all year, or you have Olivia and Horacio who have actually been good and actually definitely have your back. It's an easy choice. And, like, you know, I keep, you know, I've been saying it for weeks. (laughs) Yeah. He's a guy you want to get out of this game. That's right. You do. That's right. so and you want someone like, else to take care of it wait. ideally right yeah you know so. now one caveat to all this is i do wonder and i'm probably giving nelson too much credit but i do wonder if part of his calculus because the only way i can understand this is to think that maybe part of his thought process was whoever i put down there is probably gonna win and I'm more afraid of Fessy. Like, I feel like I can talk myself out of it better with Olivia than Fessy. Oh, that's interesting. Because, like, I, if I don't Fessy think went in. Because here's, here's, for one, 
I think that it, I I don't think you could assume that Jay and Michelle weren't going to win that game. It is it, it actually is Jay's type of game, and I think absent the house making it really difficult for them, they would have won that game. That's 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 what Maybe. I suspect. But um, but that's predictable. But I also think. But here's here's why I think he did it, is that I think that. You're seeing the game split into right. The house is basically splitting into two sides, right? It's the old school vets plus versus new school vets and rookies, and that both you know both Nelson and Fessy have been sort of playing the middle, but ultimately are going to wind up on that new school side. Yeah. And so he needs he needs Fessy he needs Fessy's numbers going forward. So that's to but me, why that's is why. Fessy's yeah. number more valuable than Olivia's, who's clearly also on the rookie side? Like I trust Olivia more, Olivia and Horacio more, and they're better to this point in the game. Mm-hmm. See, I think I, I don't know. I think Fessy, uh, I think is maybe one of those people who's not been trying to win challenges. He is a bit of a sleeping giant. <laughs> like, uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. not saying you'd want to face you're either old. of those teams in elimination, yeah. but and I don't. Mariah's a slouch either, by the way. Nope. We haven't seen a ton of her, but I... No, one of the yeah. things I wanted to say this week, actually, and, and I think the last two weeks have, have been a good illustrator of this, is this is the best crop of lady rookies since, like, the fresh meat era. We have not seen female competitors at the level of Olivia, Norris, and Mariah enter this show in quite a while. I would agree with that. I would almost say rookies, period. Yeah, um, I mean, Horacio and Because and I think Horacio's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think these are, you know, these are kind of the kind of rookie performances I was trying to think. Like in like the like the Rogan Turbo. Well, but Rogan's uh, uh, actual rookie performance was trash. But but Joss and yeah, Turbo. Joss, Kyle. Kyle's rookie performance I think is pretty good, right? Yep, he was a finalist, I believe. So, yeah, yeah. but but in terms of – and the lady side was pretty had a pretty dominant rookie performance, correct? Right. So yeah, yeah. We don't like to give him credit, but it's but it's true. It's true. Um, but you know, in terms of like a group of women like this, I, you got to go back to when Car Maria and Laurel were first coming in. I think you know. And, yeah. Uh, there Casey, was a whole Casey's rookie seasons in there too. I think you got. Well, right, Case over the last like six or seven seasons combined you've you've seen casey as a rookie georgia and jenny from the british teams who were both oh God, good but like <laughs> yeah, yeah but just in terms of one <laughs> season's worth of brand new women this is really impressive yeah it's the definitely the best crop yeah no, no you know you haven't seen three come in like this at the same time for sure 100 percent. yeah no doubt uh, narice has been incredible I think. unreal unreal and and you know I don't know how to I'm trying to be as delicate and non-creepy as possible but goodness gracious she's not a bad person to look at on TV. <laughs> I'm so glad you said it first. <laughs> like look, I I try to be respectful at all times and I, and I hope I'm doing that. Um yeah. and I'm I'm a married man very happily, but ah uh, she is stunning. Yeah. Yep. Stunning. And the degree to which she is stunning, no matter how much mud she has rolled in, like no matter how sweaty she is, it's it's been a while since I've seen something that impressive. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, some interesting outfit choices. Sure, <laughs> but that to, I don't 
I can't judge outfits anymore. Like fashion yeah. has so passed me by that like I can't even pretend <laughs> to to make a judgment. But yeah, she's been great. And like we said, you know, Olivia, I think was the MVP of this episode. She's and not that's like her third or fourth MVP of the yeah. season, by the way. She's been great in competitions. Her social game is phenomenal. Tremendous. Um, and she's great in interviews. Yep. So like, I, like she's fantastic television. I don't know where they found her, but good on she's them. Great. She's great. Yeah. yeah. No, they've done a really good job. And, and I, I continue to think this season has really been excellent. And I look forward to watching more. Uh, me too, particularly because uh, there's going to be a twist. <laughs> so that's the next question. Yeah. What do you think the twist is? They were very – usually I feel like when they you know, hint at the twist, we can pick up some clues. I, I found no clues here. I have no idea. I It's hard for me to say. It feels like it's the right time for a twist in this game because now the game is sort of broken out in – where you can see the sides a little bit, and that's usually when they like to shake it up. Yeah. So I don't know if it's going to be as simple as unpartnering people, but it seems like you can't, you just can't do that in a game called Ride or Dies, right? No, I don't think they can unpartner, but they can change the elimination format because it's it's getting to be a small group to have to choose four teams to go in. Yeah. So, and so I, I think that was, I think you've hit on it right there. I think the most likely thing is that it, it, the loser last place automatically goes in, right? That's, I think, probably the switch. Could be something like that, but it could also be something that maybe gives the daily winner even more power. Because right now, well, they, and there was an illusion, I think, to that. Yeah, right now the, they, 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 I mean, they the essentially have all the power, but it's still somewhat random in terms of who the second team to go in ends up being. But if you basically gave the winners power to dictate both of the teams in elimination, that would be massive. Yeah, I'm really I'm really shocked that somebody was bitching about the form because I really love the extra layer of strategy. I totally agree. Of, and and bringing the randomness sure. into it. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I at, again, if your goal is to have maximum effort from every team at every daily challenge, then I guess I understand what you're saying. But I don't know why that of all things would be yeah. the goal. Never um, been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, speaking of burn of the week, this was the previous week. I, I don't know if we were going to do both burns, but did you catch TJ with the very subtle Nelson burn when after they won the daily in the two episodes ago? He was like, oh, what a great performance from you guys. I mean, Nelson, you're doing your thing. Norris came in with the brains. <laughs> Just like very subtly. I did get to that. (laughs) That was an incredible moment. Um, But it's it's accurate, right? It's it's 100% accurate. That's why why TJ birds can often be the best because there's always a nice degree of of truth in them. I also wanted to say I love a car challenge, you know? Like when they do – when when they're bringing out the trucks or the stunt drivers – it's always good television. Leaping um, car to car is excellent. And and I thought it was an incredible look at the 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 sort of specialness of two of the greatest competitors in this game's history with Bananas and Jordan. I mean, look, Jay was really good at that, and you would expect him to be, he's a rock climber, this is his sort of thing, right? He even said it when they got there, like, this is my shit. But Jordan has one hand, and Johnny Bananas is 40 years old. So I think we can say by definition it's not necessarily their shit. And those two guys 
they're just the guys, along with CT, who who knows how do you explain it. But for whatever reason, every wacky, random thing they make you do on this show, whether it's jumping from car to car to pick up imaginary keys or smearing yourself with honey, those guys are just good at it. Like, yep. Johnny Bananas and Jordan are just good at this game. Bananas at 40 should not be the best or or one of the top two at jumping across cars. Yeah. Like, Chauncey and, and friggin' Nelson and, and these young, athletic, in perfect physical shape guys should be killing him at that. But he's Johnny <laughs> Bananas, man. He's just got a gift. Can we talk about did you at all try to imagine the experience uh as as uh men who have crossed the 40 barrier oh, of yeah. of beat of turning 40 in that house full of 40 25 year olds yeah, yeah it's like, got to be so weird how weird that must be it's got to be so so weird because i can tell you like i have friends who are still in their 20s and just like hanging out with them in a very chill normal way can be weird at times um, yeah so yeah like the notion of turning 40 while watching Fessy bed hop between, like, <laughs> I, yeah, it's, I can't imagine what that must be like mentally. Um, but if anyone's equipped, it's Johnny Bananas. Is there, I mean, it seems like there might be a Johnny Mariah romance happening here. Yeah, I, I don't know where that started, but it almost seemed like it was taken for granted in this episode. So I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. Yep, me neither. Um, but I, I hope we get to find out more about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, he some... does have a history of uh, finding attractive rookies to kiss. So, um, do you find yourself rooting for anyone at this point in the game? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally torn between um, the, three teams, really, um, and it's just. It's all about the three women that I think deserve a title, and I'd love to see get it. And that's Anissa, Nani, and Tori. Um, and ironically, I think the one who probably deserves it the most from her consistent performance is Tori. But the ones I want to see get it the most are probably Anissa and Nani just because of their long, tortured histories on this show. Um and I think all three of them have a really, really legitimate chance to win. So, that you know, those yeah. are my teams. Um, it's a very Leroy season from Nani, I feel yeah. like. Where yep. it's like, it's not it's not quite the same in that, like, it hasn't been stated that this is her last ride. And, in fact, if she doesn't win, I would expect her to come back. Yeah, but, agreed. But there's a there's a there's just a different vibe about her. It just feels like a last theory. best chance in some ways. Yeah. Like where she's, you can tell that she sees it there for her, um, and so yeah. So I do find myself compelled to to get that, and uh, and yeah. Look, Tori and Devin are an easy team to root for, and I I, I really like that Tori is like Tori's really stuck up for Devin. Yep. Because I'm kind of with her on like I think he's an underrated physical player. Yeah. You know, in this game, like I think that people, yeah, people are aware that he's you know a politicker. Yep. Um. But, like, I think he's actually pretty good at just doing these challenges and playing the games. Well, um, I, I think part of it is that um, he can't when he when he entered the game, you know, you kind of earn your reputation early in the challenge, right? And it can be hard right. to override that. I, that's kind of true in life, I think. But um, 
he definitely came in the game as a sub-average physical competitor and an above-average political competitor. And I think he has steadily progressed and gotten in better shape until he's above average on both. Um, but people don't totally see him that way. Yep. And I think that'll just just take some time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's a while before we see Chauncey as a skilled manipulator of people. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, though. I heard him on the podcast. And he is a lovely guy. I bet. <laughs> he is so committed to that off-putting lady he's dating. <laughs> is there is there any controversy in the history of the show that's more amber than Huggate? No. <laughs> and can like, I add to this? Complete and total amber. <laughs> I, can I can I add to this that running while holding hands is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like you're holding hands while you're running. Yuck. <laughs> I like Ember, but even I'm like sometimes like, okay, well, come on. <laughs> it's it's one of these things that like nobody trusts this poor woman, and she hasn't really done much to deserve that, other no, than I think, you know Darrell trusts her completely, but yeah. most. Most people don't. And obviously Chauncey trusts her as well. Right. No, I mean, look, she has she has her allies. But, like, the yeah. vast majority of the house is like, she's a snake. I don't trust her. And I don't think her her history from an action standpoint necessarily supports that. But it's this no. weird situation she, where, like. I mean, she stabbed a couple people in the back, but not more than anybody else in there. Right. You know, not in, in, like, sometimes the game needs necessitates you doing that, you 100%. know? 100%. Sometimes you have no choice. And, and more to the point, like, she's just, like. She had I feel like she had the reputation before she did anything. And yet it's one of these weird things where even though I can't like point to specific evidence that suggests she deserves this treatment, I totally get it cuz she just she rubs me the wrong way too. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> She's off-putting. She's an off-putting person. <laughs> I just think she has her quirks. That's that's what I'm going to land on. Like cuz I I get it. I like her. I enjoy her. Um, I always have, and I think she's really good, but yes, she does occasionally do some stuff where you're like, what, what, come on. <laughs> she also just says some things that are head scratching. Like she spent half of that previous episode where she ended up getting put in talking about how she was protecting Nelson and Narice, And it's like, what, how? Uh, By doing yeah, what? No, I, you haven't I don't that at all. <laughs> you haven't protected anybody in any way. You're not doing anything. Right, you're not winning challenges, so how right. are you protecting anyone? Yeah. Like she just Yeah. And again, that's not like a, a fucking felony, you know? It's just a weird silly thing to say that's not true. But like it, it she just Yeah, she she rubs me the wrong way, man. I got I got one more question for you. Um so Jordan and Narice have a little, little budding romance going. Seems that way. Yeah, out of, out of nowhere. That was a surprise. Narice said, we have so much in common. What do you think Jordan and Narice have in common? I have no idea. Because I had no idea. <laughs> but here's what I would tell you is rather than focus on that comment, I focused on the other thing she said about Jordan in an ITM, which was – 
man, watching him compete is kind of kind of sexy. <laughs> yeah, well, that what, once you said that, I'm like, oh, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> even that in with you know, uh, there's not a reason to have it in. You know no, I mean? and I mean, <laughs> I, like, you know, I'm not trying to get with Jordan, but I get it. He's badass. Yeah. No, I get it too. And you know, I mean, it's when you think about it, right? From, from a romantic standpoint, to go from All Stars. Where he not only patched things up with Naya, but like in a really like nice, lovely way. Yeah. Um, you know, they they got things together. And then to kind of like have this sort of uh, denouement with Tori, you know well, what I mean? I'm not like, sure that's happened. I yeah, I feel I like the uh the jury's still like out about, on that. Things may start to flare up again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that may I, be tested. Right. I'm not sure uh I'm I'm not sure it's going to be all peaches and cream for Jordan the rest of the way, but um there's no doubt he is a better and more likable person than he was years ago on this show. Way just so you know and like he's he's he just he's he's perfected the right amount of dick. He you has harnessed I- his asshole to a very <laughs> productive level. Like he left some around just just enough to keep it interesting, you know. Yeah, because I mean? you got to stand up for yourself. You know, you don't want to turn yourself into a doormat. But yeah. yeah, he is he is really walking the fine line between terrible asshole and legitimate kind competitor in a in a very artful way. Yep. Yeah, I'm here for it. Well, uh, and I, I think you know, like he's what probably 32 or something. You you get to know yourself a little better, and and you learn how to behave. Yeah, I, look, it's it's one of these things, you know, it's because, uh, you know, we watched this at home with my parents um, uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, and I definitely got, uh, especially for my dad, um, some, why do you like this show and these people? <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> and, and it's like, like, watch, you really do watch them grow up yep. on television. Like, Johnny Bananas was a 20-something frat guy when I yep. met him. You know what I mean? And today he's 40 and he's a different person. And I've watched all of that happen on television. You know what I mean? Veronica, Anissa, Anissa. Yeah. There's so many of these people that, that I've known now, you know what I mean? Like, well, even the Nelson generation now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. and, And, and by the way, like the, the whiny garbage from Michelle and Jay, made me long for the days of Team Young Buck with Hunter and, and <laughs> yes. Nelson and Corey. Yes. Yes. Oh man. Um I yeah, I love the show and I, I I and it keeps getting better. So I I think I'm here for a while. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. Uh all right, should we do some homework? Let's do it. Okay. Um we're gonna watch a show called The Flat Chair. Uh this is on Paramount Plus. You made it it's sound a, right? like two words, but it's the flat share. Oh, I thought it was two words. Oh, oh no, no. like like sharing words. a flat. Oh, flat share. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like the, a piece of furniture that was flat, the flat nope. chair. Nope, nope. It's uh, <laughs> okay. flat share. Uh, tell, tell you how much I know about this show. So flat share, like they're sharing an apartment? That's what's happening? Yes, correct. And it is, okay. uh, it is reportedly a highly enjoyable rom-com jaunt. So I'm in. All right. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like there's going to be some hanky panky in that flat. I think so. Um, okay. So we're going to watch that. Season two of Slow Horses uh, is coming to Apple. I think. I think today. I believe you're correct. 
Uh, so we're going to jump back into that. Uh, Guillermo del Toro has a uh, stop action animation. Yeah, stop motion Pinocchio. Stop motion. That's what I was thinking of. of Pinocchio, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't write that down. Is that Netflix? That's where he does his stuff, right? question. I think it is, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure if you Google uh, Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio, you'll find out where it's playing. <laughs> yes, I agree. Can confirm <laughs> it comes out a week from today on Netflix. Yes, there it is. Uh, and then George and Tammy, which is on Showtime. <laughs> Not super looking forward to this. I you, Neither one of us are country music fans, so I I get that. But it does seem kind of interesting. Uh, uh, the most – the chest in Michael Shannon and Walton Goggins. So, that's, uh, what, that's what that's made what me agree me. to watching it is the cast. Um, I will say the most relatable content I've seen uh, in regards to this show so far is a friend of mine tweeting. Hold on. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Tammy Faye Baker and Tammy Wynette are not the same person. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where I'm at on the uh, history of country music. But look, I'll give it a try. Yeah, ba- I mean, uh, ba- I mean, good I'm shows have been made about. I know one thing about Tammy Wynette, and it's "Stand by Your Man." That I'm assuming sure. that, that Michael Shannon's going to do some really horrible stuff that needs to be stand- <laughs> stood by. That sounds so. right. Yeah, that that sounds right. And look, <laughs> great shows have been made about worse subjects. So fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's a show, right? So we'll stop watching it if we're not into it. You're damn right we will. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what's the nice thing about a series. Okay, uh, those are the four things we are not doing a show next week because uh, of this uh, Mexican vacation. My aforementioned Mexican relaxation vacation, but we'll be back in two weeks and uh, two more episodes of the challenge on top of everything else. Sounds awesome. Can't wait. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.